Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34. Today, I want to bring a very serious situation to the attention of folk, attention of folks, because it involves press freedom, it involves First Amendment rights, and it involves billionaires getting away with literally murder. So, welcome to the show. I'm with Scott Stidman and Eric Levi of Forensic News. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. So, um, right off the top, let's talk a little bit about the background information. You had run um, a few different stories involving a billionaire in the United Kingdom and exposing some of the things that he was involved in. Uh, what, two or three pieces? Yeah, so it ended up being um, six articles, but they were kind of spaced out uh, okay. over a year plus time. Um, and yeah, we wrote about, we don't know if he's a billionaire, but he's super wealthy. Um, we wrote about his business connections to various Russian billionaires, as well as the Israeli elite uh, government officials in Israel, generally kind of what we reported on. Right. And all of this was well documented. Um, I saw two of the articles and this was, there wasn't anything in there that was slanderous. It was well documented. I mean, it's not slander if it's true kind of a situation. But now flash forward and this gentleman has fired, followed, uh, filed a lawsuit against uh, Forensic News, not only Forensic News, the publisher, but also against the reporters that were involved in uh, these articles. And I think this is important because this is an American uh, publication. The authors are all here in the United States of America. Great Britain, UK, uh, they don't have First Amendment there. They have uh, lower, lower bars for the press freedom in that country. And I think that this lawsuit is a little bit frightful because as Americans, you should be protected by what we have in this country, First Amendment rights. And basically, you're uh, facing a situation where you're being sued by this guy who lives in the United Kingdom and uh, in the United Kingdom courts. How did we get here? <laughs> We're yeah. asking ourselves the same question. Um, so, uh, you know, I can just say what the courts have uh, ruled so far. So... There was a total of five claims against us. Um, a couple of them were thrown out uh, in, in the first hearing. The remaining main claims are defamation, of course, and a breach of GDPR, which is the EU's kind of data protection law. That's fairly new. Um, and so the courts have ruled, you know, we, we fought it on jurisdictional grounds for, right. uh, what, Eric, a year plus? Uh, we've I'm been fighting that. that part of it. Um, but basically because we have six subscribers on Patreon, which is how we fund our journalism, um, they paid in euros and in pounds sterling. Mm -hmm. That was enough to satisfy the GDPR element of this lawsuit wow. uh, to continue against us. Um, yeah. yeah, and like you said, we're all U.S. citizens. I've never been to the U.K. Our, um, our readership is like 5-ish percent readers from England. Um, so we have very, very minimal connections to that country and which is which is why Walter Soriano didn't sue us in the United States. Right. Right. That's what this whole that's what this whole thing is about. And I'm gonna try to be um I'll temper myself a little bit, which is difficult. But there's no lawsuit in California. There's no lawsuit where the other where the other guys live. It's in the UK. Um and it's extremely I think we're gonna be okay. I know we're gonna be okay. This is extremely dangerous, this lawsuit. To, to journalists everywhere. And right now you're just sort of hearing about it because for the first, because, you know, we just rolled out a crowdfunding campaign to help pay for some of our legal bills. You, this is slowly getting rolling. You're going to be hearing about this everywhere. 
As we should. I mean, this is a dangerous precedent because why would they move jurisdictions to the UK just based on six Patreons? Um, Euros, like six people, like were, were any of these folks actually placed in the UK or do we know where they live even? I'm not sure if we looked into that. I think three of them were in the UK. Okay. Um, but like I said, like Eric makes a great point. Um, and Soriano's, Walter Soriano's lawyers have been quoted a couple years ago saying they did not sue us in California because of our strong anti-slap laws. Right. They're, they're, they're quoted saying that. Right. Um, and I've made this point in every interview I've done. I specifically chose to incorporate Forensic News in California because of our laws here. Like it yeah. would have been a lot cheaper and a lot easier to set up a Delaware company and, um, you know, deal with it elsewhere. But I live in California. I was born and raised here. And I know our laws are very strong for journalists. Um, and yet this, this, you know, these novel rulings are now forcing us to answer to a lawsuit thousands of miles away. Yeah. So how did, what was the basis other than the Patreons, or is that really the only basis that they got for moving jurisdiction? Because it doesn't seem right. Normally, courts recognize where, where the company, the publisher, is based, like where you're incorporated. Why would that be enough to move it? So that was enough for the GDPR claim that is still in, in place. Um, they argued that subscriptions uh, by themselves are stable, and that's what they needed to prove. It's called a stable arrangement that we okay. had in the UK. And they won over the Court of Appeals with, with that argument. With libel, it was a little bit different. Uh, libel slash defamation is kind of the same thing in the UK. Um, they ruled that we had to provide an expert to tell Soriano that California was available and uh, as a venue for him to, to sue us. So that puts the onus on us to spend a ton of money to hire an expert to, to testify in front of the court. Um, Whereas I think logically anyone knows that you can obviously sue where the company is incorporated and where the where the founder and some of the colleagues are right. are located. But that was it. That's that's why we have that's to answer now to this. Absolutely insane. Um, my worry is that if this happens to prevail and this this gentleman wins out, this is precedence for any wealthy individual to sue any American company in in the British courts which do have a lower standard. Um, so I would imagine you're getting a lot of support here in the United States from various press organizations for that reason. Nobody wants to live in a world where that's a precedent now because that changes everything. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're um, getting some... Yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah. I was just going to say, we, we've heard from Patreon themselves have issued a statement saying that they're concerned about this ruling because it really does open up pretty much all of their creators to... Like if you're, a, you know, if you're making music on Patreon, if you're writing something somewhat inflammatory um, and you take subscriptions in euros and in pounds, you're now kind of have to answer to the UK's laws uh, no matter where you live. Uh, so we've heard from Patreon. We uh, A statement was released today from 15 different press freedom groups condemning the lawsuit, calling it a slap. Um, and so, yeah, we have a lot of support and it's been you know, really heartening to see that kind of community um, stand behind us. I don't know if you want to say more about that, Eric. Well, just to say, and then I think maybe too, we could let people know a little about a little more about what we are. Um, you know, I, my sole contribution was the, the podcast, but what Scott and the other guys wrote. But but just to be clear, and I'm, <laughs> so it, even if this um, ridiculous and frankly 
this lawsuit was, um, let's say they actually won a trial, they still would have to try to enforce it here. And we have the best First Amendment lawyers in, in the world. So, and none of us have any presence in the UK. We're going to be okay. But other organizations, they need to pay attention. If, if you're like CNN and you have financial assets and stuff like that, you have a huge problem right now because of this. Because they can go after all the, the New York, whoever, anyone who has some kind of something over there. Um, Which is everybody at right. this point. Almost Especially everybody. Especially in yeah. Right, exactly. So th they have like a very like big problem right now. And uh, I hope they, they stand behind us. No, they need to. I think this is a very big deal. The fact that, that the element that ties everything together is subscribers in the UK, this is very flimsy. This is not much of a, a reason to do that. But if that's good enough, um, we're all in trouble. We all have audiences in, in Great Britain. I don't care which cable news or uh, print outlet you work with. That's just absolutely going to be the case. Um, let's talk a little bit about what the defamation lawsuit actually entails. Why does this guy claim he is being defamed when everything is actually factual that you reported on? Is he just embarrassed by this? Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to speculate too much about his sort of intentions. Um, but I will say that we have learned, um, and I'll frame it this way. The privacy claim against us from Soriano is simply because we posted photographs of him. Prior to that, there were no pictures of him online. Um, uh, besides kind of a very, you know, obscured image. It's called, it's called journalism in some places. <laughs> that's, that's here, what, I'll, I'll tell you this, how I, how we got yes. this. We got a yeah. tip from someone who said, hey, here's one of Soriano's relatives on a social media site posting a bunch of pictures, and I think this is him. And we cross-referenced that with um, some other open source uh, intelligence, and it was him. Like, it was it was available on the internet. Cold um, journalism, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah what, um, maybe it would be a good idea, I was saying, just, uh, Scott, after that, to tell everyone just a little about, you know, the stories that we wrote. Like, yeah, let's yeah. talk a little bit about the background, um, I, because I do think it's important to folks to understand the, the motivation here, and he's not the only individual that uh, operates at this wealthy level that wants to do what he does in private, and this does affect everybody else. And this is why this kind of journalism, uh, adversarial journalism is important. We need to keep the, the halls of wealth and power in line, right? That's part of what we do. So um, let's talk a little bit about his background and why these stories were important to begin with. Yeah, so we see and our reporting has shown that Walter Soriano is kind of the uh, under the radar operator for uh, not only powerful Russian oligarchs, uh, including Oleg Deripaska, Roman Abramovich, he's done business intelligence work for them. Um, and that's his main company, USG Security, which does business intel stuff kind of... Um, and also do physical security uh, projects as well. We wrote about his connections to those Russian oligarchs and the Israeli elite. Um, we got a few contracts. For example, he his company did uh, part of the security during the Olympics in 2014 in Russia um, at, at the main airport, the Sochi airport. We, we published that. Um, we dug through his corporate records and his real estate holdings. We found a bunch of... Uh, properties that he owns in Florida. Um, but the general thesis is that this guy is doing a lot of work for shady individuals. Oleg Deripaska is, you know, has been um, sanctioned by the U.S. He's 
said to be laundering a lot of money, including for Putin himself. Um, and these are the guys that that Soriano is working for. Um, and we tried to explore uh, his connections to them, as well as the Israeli side of it. He knows uh, people at Psy Group, which was a private Israeli intelligence company. We wrote about his connections to a company called Circles, which does phone uh, develops phone hacking tools. Um, so yeah, we uh, you know overall we wrote about his very powerful connections in a lot of different countries. Journalism. Yes. I would. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> word to use. <laughs> I would I hope mean, it's journalism. I mean, I, we make jokes about it, but it is really frightful that this is going on. And you know, in many ways, on many levels, as far as legality is concerned, this could have more of an eroding effect of press freedoms, I think, than uh, Julian Assange's case can. Not to lessen what Assange is dealing with, because this is really important too. Well, do you want and to be really? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Tina. Go ahead, please. Well, no, I was going to ask you. Do you agree with that? Um, I was so busy um, teeing up um, what I was thinking. I actually missed your question, but uh, uh, about Assange, I, I'll jump in just real yeah, quick. I don't yeah. want to talk much yeah. longer. <laughs> I'm stealing too uh, much of time here. No. Um, I think you know we all have diverse opinions on Assange. I don't want to get into the the, the merits of that. But I do think um, from a legal point of view, and I'm not a lawyer, but we were speaking about the broad implications of the GDPR law now in the UK. And I think um, with our case, it's going to apply to so many more people um, in, in comparison to the Assange case. Uh, like I yeah. said, if you have, if you're taking any kind of money, if you have any kind of assets in the UK, uh, the rich and the powerful can now use this GDPR law to attempt to silence the reporting and um, stifle the information that needs to be in the public. Right, right. Has, let me ask you this on that note. Have you seen any lawsuits in Europe with European publications where they have faced defamation char uh, lawsuits under this uh, GDPR law? No, um, we haven't. Um, okay. There's been a lot of kind of law firms writing up the analysis of this GDPR ruling because it is so new and novel um to to apply it so broadly um one of the articles called it the long arm of the gdpr right um that is now being kind of argued um you know there was a chance that we took this to the supreme court in the uk um we had that option but we ultimately ultimately decided not to um but the legal implications of this i think are definitely broader than the assange uh, case I mean, it's interesting that they would go after an american publication on this and not not having a president of going off of, of, of a, a, a company that's actually in jurisdiction. That's very interesting. Yeah, yep. I, don't, I don't think they, yeah, that's among the many things. If you want to be really scared, keep in mind that my sole contribution to this was doing what you're doing right now. I did a radio interview. I didn't write any of these stories. I asked questions. Some would even argue, you know, that's, that's all I did. Um, so now is all I also did. have been dragged into this. I did exactly wow. what you're doing, Tina. Wow. So really, you didn't even participate in the original reporting on this? No. You just interviewed some of the journalists that did? I just interviewed Scott and Jess, like like literally what you're doing right now. Tell, tell me about the story, guys. And that's a very important that's point. That's scary. It, wow. It, and that's one of the reasons why these press freedom groups determine that this is a slap is because Soriano didn't just sue Forensic News LLC. He sued Forensic News LLC, me, Eric, who just did the podcast, 
Uh, Jess, I think, contributed on two of the articles, Bobby on one of them, and he sued all of us individually uh, along with the company. Yeah, he sued another man that none of us even know. It just, like, he threw him in there like a grab bag. I still don't understand that. Uh, I don't even remember the guy's name. He was just... Uh, Richard Silverstein. Yeah, Richard he, Silverstein. So the original lawsuit, um, I don't know if that's public, but I think it might be at this point. He oh. Soriano alleged pretty much like a vast conspiracy of us working with Israeli journalists I had never talked to in my life. Uh, Richard, Natasha, Bertrand, like all, all to wow. defame him. And he claims that Forensic News was was set up for the purpose of going after Soriano, which is just could not be further from right. the truth. Um, this is shocking that the, that the courts wouldn't just throw that out. That's just amazing. This will be laughed out of a court here. I've... Oh, it would absolutely be laughed out of court here. And in fact, let's talk about that for a second. Um, so if you're a member of the audience and you don't know what a slap lawsuit is, uh, let's talk about that. Describe what that means so folks understand. Yeah, so SLAP is an acronym for Strategic Lawsuit Against Public Participation. Um, it's basically when the you know the powerful see reporting that they don't like and they use their wealth to uh, to slap down a, a journalist or a group that is exposing their dealings a, as we did. Right, and we do have very strong slap laws here in California that that protect not just journalists but other folks as well. Mm -hmm. uh, God, that so that's wild that he was saying there was a vast conspiracy here. So um, now I'm worried that I'm going to get sued. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but I think that's part of the reason why the coverage has been a little bit weak of this case so far. People are genuinely scared. And we should say Soriano is suing uh, uh, another journalist uh, that's based in France, uh, Mark at Le Point, and he's suing a, an Israeli journalist, Raviv Drucker. He sued Twitter in Ireland just to try to get some of our tweets down. So this guy is like spreading lawsuits across the land. He's, he's the Oprah one. of lawsuits. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah he sues, he's, there's a lot of people, a lot of people. That's just wild. Okay, so now who do you guys have on your defense team? So we're represented by a team at Gibson Dunn, led mm -hmm. by Patrick Doris, who's a partner in their London office. Um, and their whole team has been excellent. And our barrister is Jonathan Price, who has represented a bunch of uh, media groups in the past. He um, represents the family of uh, the murder journalist in, in Malta, Daphne. Um, so we have a great team and uh, we're going to start making, I can't say it a whole lot, we're going to start making some moves in the U.S. and we'll announce our U.S. team here pretty soon. Um, but we're going to do everything that we have available to us to to gather evidence to defend ourselves. Like there's some laws that we can use here and we're going to use them to uh, to try to get some evidence and, and back us up here. Yeah, this can't, this can't happen. This is just ridiculous. Now, let me ask you this. The UK team that's handling this, um, you know, I think it's part of the conversation that needs to be had is that they don't have a First Amendment in, in the United Kingdom. That doesn't exist. This is an American uh, constitutional right. Uh, why is it that in all of these years, Britain hasn't, you know, sort of created laws like this to protect their journalists? Because there's always been more of a chance that you could be sued for slander uh, in Britain than, than here for reporting right. on things. I think that's part of the conversation that needs to be had. Why are they not strengthening those laws? I, I mean, it's a great question. Um, 
I'll answer it in a couple different ways. I think one, there's a uh, a grouping of people that are the enablers to, to the wealthy, and these include lawyers. Um, and I'm not saying this is specific to our case at all, but um, when you see lawsuits in London, you see lawyers chomping at the bit to represent these kleptocrats because the money pours in. Um, and so I think part of it is is somewhat of a corrupt system. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other angle that makes the UK different than us is their history. So with Princess Diana, when she died, there was kind of a backlash against publishers and it made, uh, made it easier to sue sort of the paparazzi type and the tabloid journalists. But that has been obviously expanded to people like us, investigative journalists and podcasters and, and the like. Uh, so there's a lot going on, but I think those are kind of the two main points of why London is so attractive for, for these kind of lawsuits. Yeah, it's the story of the platonomy protecting the platonomy. Absolutely. Well, it, may, it may be a little bit of, of the opposite in a way. In other words, it may be not what necessarily what have they done, but what makes this country unique, the United States, for all mm-hmm. its laws. Because I can tell you after and after this experience, you see what things are like over there where they, they put the burden of uh, proof on, on us. Like, it's the opposite here uh, with regards to this type of situation. Prove this, prove that. They, they can sue you for, um, you know, we included court documents. So-and-so said this under oath. That's in there too. Why? For, for providing a court document under oath? It's, it's, so, it's so messed up. Um, that I, it's, it's, I can't even like really even talk about it anymore. It's that's that ridiculous. Um, it makes you sort of wonder how the BBC is able to function at the level they do. <laughs> I, I was wondering, I've been wondering that how, uh, how can you money, maybe just the amount of money that they have and state, yeah. you know, state backed. I, I don't know. I'm guessing, but you know, it's, it's troubling. One of the, one of the, uh, as I recall, you correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the, uh, judges over there joked about libel kidnapping us. Um, didn't he say something like that? Like I don't know uh, if it's a joke. A joke was, like, it, it was re- the phrase was used like libel kidnapping. Yeah, dryly. Let me say dryly. Right. It's yeah. Like, and it, 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 you know, it's kind of clear to to all of the people when they have their rational thinking brain on that, like this, yeah. the the burden of proof, like Eric said, shouldn't be on the person that's being, you know. Right. being sued in a, in a different country. Um, and, and that, like I said, was, was the basis for the libel claim proceeding. We had to provide an expert to, to tell Soriano that he's allowed to sue us here, which is just so backwards. That's insane. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, you mentioned earlier that if he does prevail in the UK court, uh, that he really has no grounds to collect on anything here. Um, what does that mean precisely? More or less like, uh, and then Scott will jump in definitely. Um, and then this is like the good thing. No, there are for a number of reasons, but specifically a law passed under President Obama, uh, the Speech Act, which basically was like, I guess they saw this coming or whatever. So more or less, no matter what happens over there or for that matter in any other country, they have to try to enforce it here. It has to meet the standards of the First Amendment and okay. a, lot of other, a lot of other things. But that doesn't. This has caused um, enormous uh, stress, and it's it's even difficult to put into words how outrageous this is. What it's done to Scott, myself, 
and the other guys. Um, health effects. So even though, yes, we do know we're in the United States of America, we do have that protection. This never should have been allowed to happen. You shouldn't be allowed to hire some shady process server to come to my building here in California and serve me with this. You know what I'm saying here. And, yep. and for the rest of them. Wait, did that actually happen? Absolutely. Yeah. 11 oh, p.m. You're kidding me. What? Tell us the details of that. I came home from a night of having some drinks with friends and <laughs> a car... Oh. <laughs> A car uh, followed me into where I kind of live and, um, you know, I went inside and he knocked on the door at like 1115 or something, handed me a stack of papers that thick and said, you know, this is from Mr. Soriano. And uh, that that was it. Um, So, yeah, you know, Eric makes a good point about, you know, we're we feel protected here in terms of final outcome. Um, But that's not to say we're not spending a whole ton of money for this process. We still have to pay our counsel. All right. So that is just an absolutely hair raising situation that you've been in. Uh, it's really insurmountable to me that you've had to like actually pay to fight, pay to defend yourself, to fight the lawsuit, uh, you know, deal with all of the sleepless nights, all of these things. And, um, you know, the, the, the pressure of having that precedent also, you need to fight it because if you don't fight it, it could become president of the United States for other journalists. So this is a very important case. Yeah, and there's, there's um, one thing I wanted to add uh, real quick. I've gotten the question a lot about um, just ignoring the lawsuit and not doing anything about it. And we've discussed this internally. Eric can yeah. confirm that. Um, but I just want to illuminate, like, kind of why we don't do that. Um, there's a whole bunch of things that happen if we just ignore this. Um, so there'll be a, a default judgment, which means we essentially just just lose. Um, mm-hmm. And then Soriano can take that judgment to different groups, to Google to try and get our articles geofenced so I don't appear in certain countries. Um, it makes it more likely that a U.S. judge will actually hear uh, the damage case. Um, you know, it's ton of reputational damage, uh, that default judgment is not something that you want. And that's, um, you know, that's the reason why we don't just ignore it and why we're forced to spend money on, on lawyers and, um, time on, on this process. So I just wanted to add that real quick. <laughs> there were a lot no, of moving, you're right. Yeah. Go ahead, Eric, like, sorry. There were a lot of, um, as I said, like moving parts and things that some things that we could talk about and some we can't that evolve why we respond the way we did. I think that either way, I would say the only other thing, the people who read our work and listen to the podcast, they know they know who we are. So I think our reputations, like that work speaks for itself, but it's true in other aspects. Uh, this was a, this is very complicated. Yeah. It's complicated, it's unfortunate. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that you chose to fight this uh, because yes, if you accept the default, the precedence is, is already made, right? Um, and he wins, right? So he's gonna he's gonna continue doing this with other folks, and I think other multimillionaires and billionaires are are, are gonna say like, hey, this guy got away with it. I'm gonna do the same thing. Um, so it's very important that you did what you did, even if you know the other side of that is like, well, we ignore it, and then we don't have to worry about it because we're protected here in the United States because of Obama's law. But but the there was a lot of nights where we really seriously considered that option. Um, especially after like a year of trying to deal with this. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it, there's something to be said for picking up the torch for like six months, <laughs> you know, in terms of press freedom. And, um, you know, we'll be spreading the word more about the dangerous precedent that this sets uh, going forward. So, 
Hundred percent. Appreciate that. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to also uh, share your. Go, is it GoFundMe that you're trying to raise legal funds on? Yeah, GoFundMe. Uh, the link is kind of long, so just you can go to my Twitter at Scott M okay. Stedman uh, or the Forensic News Twitter, or uh, just search Walter Soriano Forensic News. It'll be the first. I'll, I'll post it again as well on Twitter at uh, which is just my name at Eric LeBay. Okay, excellent. Thanks for um, coming on Status Quo and talking with us about this important breaking news. Uh, press freedom, you know, it's under attack. It's not just Assange. Um, I really like to see Assange prevail because he's being prosecuted and that's very dangerous for press freedom. And also the same with you, your folks, what you're facing, also very dangerous for press freedom. And, you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, you look at the U.S. Uh, freedom of the press uh, tracker. And the United States has really also slipped on that. We're not in we're not in the top two spots at this point. We we have issues here in the United States. So I think this is an ongoing environment that we're in as journalists and adversarial journalism that does uh, expose on wealthy elites, on corrupt politicians. This is an important part of what keeps uh, everything in check. And I think the diminishment of the fourth estate has been. Uh, we've already seen detrimental things from that, right? The fourth estate is in repair right now, in my opinion. So thank you guys for fighting the good fight. I think it's important. Um, and keep us posted on what happens next. Thank you, Tina. Thanks for giving us a, a platform here. Appreciate it a lot. Thanks, Tina. And just to say, like you said, it is more under attack than ever. And, you know, you and I both know because we've both been on the press tracker site for other yeah. for being attacked, <laughs> physically attacked. So yeah. I've. I've been a professional journalist for and had more success than most people in a short amount of time. And in that time, we've got this lawsuit. I've been attacked in the street by nine lunatics. It's this job comes with a lot, a real price. And so we need people to all of us to to stand up with us because we're in a very grave situation right now. I'm not talking about this lawsuit, but just in general.